appreciate everybody being here tonight. Because Sunday, Brother brother Lee announced that I'd be preaching. I thought, oh, wow, attendance going to tank. Uh, <laughs> but you all showed up. So And tomorrow's a holiday, so I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to get right into it. So about a week and a half ago, actually exactly 10 days ago, I was really, really stupid. Um, and if you haven't heard, I'll tell you the story. I was on a four-wheeler. Um, if my dad told you this story, it would lead off with something like my dumb city boy son acted like he was a country boy uh, and got on a four-wheeler and drove too fast. And some of that's probably true. But I wasn't being unsafe, okay? I really wasn't. I was enjoying four-wheeling. And it may have rained earlier that day. And so I was on the gravel, and everything was going fine. And then my brother, Jeremy, uh, got on the four-wheeler with me. And it's all going good, and everything's fine. Until we're going down a gravel hill, and I didn't break enough for two people being on the four-wheeler. Because there's kind of a weight distribution change there, if you've ever been on an incredibly unsafe vehicle like that. Um, there, there's a little bit of a weight change to go. So I started to break, and I realized we are not going to make this turn. Uh, and we're going down, we're going down. And, and really, if, if Jeremy wouldn't have been on the four-wheeler, it would have been fine. I would have I turned. If, if we weren't making the turn quite well enough, I would have just hopped off all well and good. But that's not the situation. And we are heading down the, down the gravel road, down the hill. I realize this is not going to work out how I'd like it to. And we're starting to turn. And we would have made the turn. We really, really would have made this turn. I think we would have made this turn. But we hit wet grass. And as soon as we hit that wet grass, we slid into barbed wire. And I'm a good Christian boy, so I can share to you what the words that came out of my mouth right before hitting the barbed wire were. And it wasn't just, oh, Jesus, help me. It was, oh, crud, Jesus, help, come on. <laughs> um, as we slid right into barbed wire, and my immediate reflex, and I do take pride in this, my immediate reflex was to make sure Jeremy was safe. So I flew up my arm to make sure he didn't swing forward. And, of course, the entire four-wheeler slid into that barbed wire and scraped the entire side of my body. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. I don't know that there's been a pain that I've experienced in my life that hurt more than that. And to this point, I knew kind of the topic of what I was going to preach, but it's like God was saying, well, here, this, this is what I think you're going to preach about tonight. And I would like to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Here we go. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you his eternal called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. So he gives us a promise there that you'll be restored, confirmed, strengthened and established, okay? But there's a little part the the first little stanza if you will of that scripture says, after you have suffered a little while. Um, 
So I don't know if those promises that are there are that applicable without the first part of that scripture. You're going to have to suffer a little while. And the, the, the good thing I take out of that is, is our Heavenly Father likes to take care of us. Um, he wants the, what's best for us. Don't we believe that? Aren't you glad God, you know, wants what's best for you, that he loves you, that he wants to take care of you? And he wants a family that's whole. I don't think he wants a dismembered family that's, that's broken up. He wants a whole family. But this is the issue with the body of Christ, if I can say it's an issue, is that it's made up of human beings. And human beings, much like myself, have a tendency to hurt ourselves. Um, maybe not always physically, um, but we have a constant draw, it seems, uh, to, to, if I can use the words, cut ourselves spiritually. We cause unnecessary pain constantly in our lives. We sin. We read the scriptures. We've all read, read scriptures. We've all read the Bible, hopefully. And then we don't do what it says. Or maybe, maybe, and this, this can go to the other end of the spectrum, maybe we're just uneducated about the scripture and we don't know there's an issue in our life that needs to be changed. And we start out as an unbeliever like all of us have um, that doesn't know spiritual right from wrong. But either way that you go about it, there's a problem. There's, there's something that has to change. And we, like I said, we have this tendency to, to tear ourselves down, to, to put it that way. We have a tendency to tear ourselves down. We, we take one drink or one cigarette, whatever it might be, one magazine, one film that we shouldn't be watching, one inappropriate, inappropriate joke or disrespectful comment, one sin at a time, we tear ourselves down. We hurt ourselves. We cut ourselves spiritually. And then we get to this point where we wonder why our life is in the turmoil that it is and the pain that it is in. And often, more than not, and hopefully you don't fall into this boat, I know that I have it at some points in my life, but when we get to that point, we wonder, God, why is my life not as blessed as other people? We start to blame God for the issues that we've put upon ourselves. Now let me back up a little bit. God didn't run my four-wheeler into a barbed wire fence. And he didn't hit the wet grass and not squeeze on the brake early enough. He didn't do any of that. All, I, all of that was done by my stupid self. And now I have 32 stitches and 24 stair strips and a bunch of super glue, medical grade super glue, to show for it. And that's why this arm will stay frozen in this position holding the mic all evening because these movements hurt a lot. But you know what hurt more than the barbed wire? Because really, the barbed wire, the barbed wire didn't really hurt. I know that sounds kind of bizarre, but if you've ever been, who's ever been in an intense situation like that where stitches might be the outcome or something? Anybody? No? Okay, I'm the only stupid person. Okay. Um, the barbed wire didn't hurt. The barbed wire, I honestly don't remember that feeling at all. I'm sure it probably hurt somewhere, but I think the adrenaline was pumping so much that I didn't even feel that pain. But you want to know what hurt a lot? What hurt a whole lot? Those 32 stitches. The three tubes of Bactine, I think that's what it's called. Is that what it's called, people? 
Bactine? I don't know. Whatever they used to clean out the cut, they poured, they just poured it over my arm. I was sitting up like this. They just poured it over my arm, and then they began to pick grass and seeds out of the cut, out of the wound. If you want to see pictures, I'll show you after. I thought about flashing one up, and I thought, eh, probably not. Um, but they started picking it up. I remember that pain. I remember that hurt. It did not feel well. And then they're all done cleaning it out. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Okay. And then we wait 10 seconds. They say, you need to keep your arm in that position for 10 seconds. Is that, or 10 minutes, sorry, 10 minutes as that dries. And then the doctor came back in, and he's ready to give, put in the stitches. And he takes that Bactine or whatever it is again, puts on our rag, and he wipes straight down my arm. Oh, um, I can't, I don't, I genuinely can't even describe what that feels like. Um, that is the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. And then he started to poke, you know, the, the needle to give the lidocaine to numb it all. After that, it's great. Lidocaine, whoo, thank you, Jesus. I don't feel any of the 32 stitches, but I felt everything that was the precursor to it. Stitched up, we're ready to go, everything is great. After that, like I said, after the, after the lidocaine, I didn't feel anything. But the reality is, it all hurt to the point that during the process, especially when he wiped down with that, with that clean uh, uh, rag with, with the um, medicine, whatever we want to call it on it, in my mind I was thinking, stop, just please stop, 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 please. Seriously, just, and this is all in my head because obviously I'm too manly to say it out loud, but I was thinking it definitely in my head. And maybe it's because I'm, I don't know, it just, it was, it was painful. I was just, I stop. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, just stop. And then my arm's not going to fall off. I mean, it's probably going to heal somehow. Do I really need stitches? Does all this really have to happen? It probably doesn't. It's probably just going to heal. And everything will be perfectly fine if we just stop and we just wrap it up, just wrap it up and let me just go home. Thankfully, that's not what they did. But my, my, my title tonight is that healing hurts. And we, like I said, we have human, we as human beings have this tendency to get ourselves in trouble, get ourselves uh, bent out of shape and broken up and scratched spiritually, physically, whatever it might be. But then once those things happen, we get comfortable with the sickness. We get comfortable with the pain. We get comfortable with the illness, whatever it might be. And I'll give you a few examples. Hopefully they don't make you cringe too much. A dislocated bone. A dislocated bone, if you've ever done this, thankfully this has never happened to me, um, you might see it in the movies. What happens when you get a dislocated bone? You got to pop it back into place. And you always see the person, no, 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 ow! Okay, and then they, they do it. But you don't want that to happen when they're, about to dis, when they're about to pop back in. Or even on a more serious note, we, we develop coping mechanisms psychologically. We, when we're in abusive relationships or, or traumatic situations or, or, or relationships that, that bring on Stockholm Syndrome, we have this ability to just deal with it and not try to change the situation because it is what it is. Or even if we're going through physical therapy, we begin to favor a different leg rather than walking on the leg that, you know, both legs. We begin, we begin to create mechanisms that help us with this. We do that same thing spiritually. We get used to our sin. We think it'll be easier or to hurt more if we try to fix the problem versus just letting it be 
the way that it is. If I, 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 I've been this way long enough, it's fine as it is. I know if I try to fix the sin, I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to have to change the places I go to. I'm going to have to stop feeding the addictions that feel so incredibly necessary right now. It's hard and it hurts. So we decide and we choose more often than not, for some of us, we choose to feel a temporary okay over a long-term betterment. When I was little, um, growing up, my mother had intense migraine headaches. I can thankfully say I, I, I don't think I have. If I have, I didn't realize it. I've never had a true migraine headache. Has anybody had a migraine headache? It's excruciating, all right? I guess, because I've never had one. But for her, I remember growing up just the amount of pain it caused and had to be isolated in a room and, and it would cause for a short temper and frustration because you could not deal with that pain on a constant basis. And we were at a, a camp meeting, a family camp during the summer and there was an out, you know, an awesome revival service occurring and healings were, were happening and, and they were calling for people that had these illnesses, that had chronic sicknesses, that, that a miracle needed to occur during. And I remember I was 11 years old, my mother stood there, and she did nothing. She didn't go to the front, and I felt it was odd. And I remember when I was 11 years old, almost feeling like it was going to be disrespectful of me to say something like, Mom, you need to do this. But I mustered up the courage, and I remember saying, Mom, why don't you go to the front? This is something you need. And thankfully, she did, because after that moment... And I talked to her last week and confirmed this. She hasn't had those constant migraine headaches since. But she was so comfortable that this is the way that it is, so it's the way that it's always going to be. She'd gotten so far down that rabbit hole that what's the point in making the change now? I've gone this long. I might as well go the rest of the way dealing with this pain. I encourage you, first off, don't lose yourself to that mindset. Remember like I started with, you have a savior, a, a, a healer who wants the best for you. And he's willing to do anything he can to help you. Even if it might mean you get a little hurt in the process. There's an element to healing that I don't think we often talk about. And that is, it requires something. Healing requires change. And, and hopefully you realize as I'm talking today, I am talking about physical healing, but I'm trying to correlate the physical to the, to the supernatural and, it, and not always talking specifically about the miraculous healing. And, and I know I just gave the example of my mother who, who was healed in a miraculous way physically, but there's a change that has to occur in our lives. There has to be a change in faith. Whether that is the faith, uh, the, the belief and understanding that God can handle the storm for you, that you believe that God is able to do this, or just a complete overhaul of your faith, faith meaning what you believe in. And I think that's where we have to first start off. Um, we often refer to the scripture and we, we read the scripture, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, this, or their seed begging for bread. And we assume that that means everything's going to be okay and that God's going to take care of us, or maybe we assume that. But, it, but that prerequisite is the righteous the righteous begging. We have to, in our, the first thing we have to do is make sure that we are aligned with the Bible, that, that we, we believe and understand that God, Jesus, 
Almighty God loves us more than anything else. He died for us. He was bruised for, for us. He was, he was scarred for us. We have to believe and understand that. And once we have that change in our mind, and, and I go start there because that goes from the unbeliever to the believer. We have to have that faith change. But once we've had that, then we begin down this path where we have to believe that God is able to handle the situation. Because there's a difference be between believing God is God, Jesus is God, he's good, he's going to do all this, he loves me, he's great. And truly believing that God is actually going to do something about it. That he's actually going to help me in the situation. You must believe that Jesus is Christ, the living God who loves you more than anyone else and is willing to do whatever it takes to make that change, despite the temporary pain that might cause a temporary problem. Once you begin down that path, once you have the value, the understanding that your, your prayer life is more important than the things taking you away from your prayer life, that's when you fall into place and you, you begin to walk in a line that, that lines you up for some of those promises, like the one I just mentioned. But some of those promises, John 14, 13 through, through 14, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find, knock and it will be opened unto you. Matthew 21, 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If you ask, God will start showing you what needs to be changed. He'll begin to shape you into something more holy and acceptable. He'll, he'll start showing you the things that might need to be trimmed away and the things that might need to be completely removed. And it's going to be hard. And the issue, the, what makes it so hard is the world has the great ability of making sin look so incredibly enticing. Everything that is wrong with the world often becomes incredibly, incredibly wanted. And they dress it up and they make it shiny and pretty. But if we're able to just push past that, that's when healing begins. It's a process that gets both easier and harder at the same time, if I, if I can use the dichotomy. The longer you live for God, the easier living God for God gets. Can anybody attest to that? I can. I, I think it's much easier to live for God now that I'm 31 than it was when I was 14. But at the same time, the longer you live for God, the harder it's going to get for you. Because the harder, the more you live for God, the more you push, the world is going to push back at you. And, and the scripture gives us plenty of indication, as you know, that Christians are not immune to hurt and pain. It's quite the opposite. First Peter 4, 12 through 14 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as to share Christ's suffering. Share Christ's suffering. That you may also rejoice and be glad when the glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of, of glory and of God rests upon you. So we, as Christians, we're, we're molded by Christ and we start living a life and then we start getting hurt 
by other things. Maybe it's not internal hurt, but it comes external hurt by the world. And we're following Christ, there will be persecution because he was persecuted. He said, take up my cross and follow me. These, though, if we have the right mindset, become temporary pains, though that lead to eternal and meaningful reward. So, we're drowning. All of us. We're drowning, and, and I don't just mean those, like I said, all of us, I don't just mean those who have never been to an altar. We're all drowning in something. It could be those little sins that keep you up at night that, that just tick at you. Like, why did I do that? Or why do I keep doing that? They pull us down. They drown us. They're pulling us down. But you have to push back. You have to push back and, and, and get red and past all of the noise and begin to call on Jesus. Because if you haven't realized it yet in life, Jesus is the only one that's going to fix the problems. He's the healer. He's the great physician. So don't get stuck in the mindset that you can't change. You can. Don't let the devil tell you that lie. You can be free of the things that keep you up, like I said, late at night, those things that just wear on you. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm the only person that's like this, but when I've done something wrong, when I, when I know there's an issue, that just makes my mind run a million miles a minute. And yes, I, hopefully in those situations, I'm repenting and I'm saying, God, I'm never going to do this again. But those are the things that eat away at me. And we can be free of those things. But there's nothing that we can do to stop them or go back and make them never have happened. There's nothing that I can do to rewind time and stop that four-wheeler before I hit barbed wire, all right? It's said, it's a famous quote, but the author, I believe, is unknown, or at least I couldn't find it. It said that you cannot go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are now and change the ending. Like I said, I can't go back to that four-wheeler accident. I can't stop it and undo all the regrets I've had in my life and, and change the sins and change the failures. When, when I do interviews at work, uh, one of my favorite things to ask, and it's, it's a weird question that throws people sometimes, um, at the end of the interview, I often ask, if you had a magic wand that could grant you one wish, what would that wish be? And to me, that allows me to kind of see into the psyche a little bit of that person, where their motives are. Oh, I want a million dollars, or I want to help people, whatever it is. But one answer that I get more often than not is I wish I could go back, knowing everything I know now, and do it all over again. We can't do that, though. But we can determine that today is going to be different, and moving forward, it's going to be different. You can allow the great physician, the healer, to start operating on your life, those little things that you know you need to change, those little things that, that eat at you, you can start to make those differences and make those change so they have an eternal and long-lasting reward. And again, it's probably not going to feel good, but you can change. We said the great physician. The great physician was also the same person 
took stripes on his back for our healing. It was painful for him to give you the opportunity to redo your life, to have that reset button. No, we can't go back, but we can reset where we are now and move forward. It was painful for him. By his stripes, we are healed. It was painful for him to give you that opportunity, but he did it. And chances are it was much more painful for him to do that than what you're going through. So the piano, you can come. I told you I was not going to be long tonight. You're welcome. Also, I apologize because tomorrow's July 4th, and I had nothing about independence, America, anything like that in my sermon. But I did talk about four-wheelers, riding on a farm, barbed wire fence, all of blood. All of that seems super American. So you're welcome. But we have to realize that the healing process only hurts. We, we blame it on healing. I hope oh, stitches hurt so bad, but we have to realize that that healing process only hurts. The only reason that it's even there is because there was damage there to begin with. The stitches might sting going in, and on, on, a, on a spiritual level, the words might hurt as you're being told you're doing something wrong or that need, something needs to be changed. It all might hurt, the things might hurt, but the words and the stitches only come because there has to be a change for healing to take place. For the pain to stop, there has to be something that changes. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you continue going down that path, and again, I'm not talking as if you guys are just utter sinners. That person made the joke earlier, totally right. You wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night before a holiday if you were just a, a, a dirty sinner. You're here because you want Jesus, right? But the wages of sin is death. And if we continue to think in our minds, yeah, this is how I've always done it, and I'm a good Christian. There's way worse people out there than I mean, right? way worse people doing other worse things and my sin doesn't affect anybody else but me and you know it's fine Jesus understands he gets it if we continue down that mindset which you might sit and stare blank faced at me I think we do way more often than we like to admit that I'm fine I went to church on Sunday and Wednesday my sin's not a big deal it's going to be okay but if we continue to do that those sins have a tendency to grow and they have a tendency to deteriorate our flesh and deteriorate our spiritual life. Just as if I, I, I gave in to those thoughts about my arm and I just said, stop, and I walked out of the hospital. It might have been a very temporary situation. I have a bandage on it. It's going to be fine. But chances are it would have gotten infected. Chances are the scabs wouldn't have healed correctly and I would have lost nerve damage and an artery wouldn't have been cleaned out. We do that same thing in our, own li in our spiritual lives. We allow for things to grow and fester. But if we allow God, if we tell God, I want you to make those changes, I want you to chip away at me, please do so. We, we have the illustration given to us in the Bible of, of a potter sculpting a, 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 a vase or whatever it might be and shaping it to what he wants it to be and that being representation of our lives. He has to shape us because we come to him as this glob of nothingness. We come to him as this broken, misformed, useless piece.
piece of clay. And he has to begin to shape us and break us and make us something new so that we can be used for his purpose. But the cool thing about God, I think I've said that every sermon, the cool thing about God. The cool thing about God is that he's not only the great physician, he's not only the potter that shapes us, he's not only the, the healer, he's not only all of those things that might cause us a little pain and hurt, he's also our comforter. He sent us a comforter. He sent his Holy Spirit to comfort us. But then there's also something other really cool about God that I think it is at least. When God created the world, he created systems, even a belief system that we're all a part of today, all pointing in a direction to make us more holy and acceptable to him. He created a system, a, a group of people, a body to help each other out. He created a body, and it's hard for me to think about healing in regards to the physical without thinking about a body to heal. I don't really uh, uh, attribute healing to fixing something that's not a body. I don't heal my carpet when I get new carpet. But I do heal my body, or I allow healing to occur on my body. And I think we can correlate that directly. The body is here to help us heal. God didn't just say, you're in this on your own. You got to do this by yourself. He sent himself to comfort us. He's the healer. He's helping. But then he gives us this whole group of people that genuinely cares about each other, that genuinely wants to see each other succeed, that genuinely wants to see healing and growth and progression and eventually someday meeting in the sky. Are you thankful for that? Lord, I thank you for the body, Lord Jesus, that, that you've given us, this church body, Lord God. I thank you for, for, for allowing us a group of people that, that we can lean on, that we can support. When my, maybe I'm not doing as well, maybe I'm the arm and I'm not doing as well, but you've got another arm, Lord Jesus, that's helping me out. Lord, I thank you for that, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted, comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, we talked about the sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. We are afflicted, it is for his comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in the sufferings, we also share in the comfort. The body was put here to help each other get through these things. So you're not alone. You're not alone. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. the only way that I could thought, think about going through this. I didn't want to have a big altar call, but what I do want to do is I want to try to link up with someone next to us. Because we don't know the pain that each other is going through, but chances are if you're two by two, one of the two of you is going through something. And if we all stood up here, chances are somebody's going to get neglected. So if we can link up two by two, brother with brother, sister with sister, spouse, however you want to do it, I don't really care. Just, you know, 
they always say that, so I feel obligated to say brotherhood, brother, sister, sister. But if you're here today and you need a change, if you're suffering in the sin, if you need a healing, if you've been waiting for a physical healing or an actual healing to occur, if there's hurt in your life, begin to talk to God. Begin to, begin to advocate for your brother, the person you're next to, your sister. Lord Jesus, I know, Lord God, that you want what's best for me. Lord, I know you have plans that are good for me, Lord Jesus. I know you want what's best for my brother and my sister, Lord Jesus. That we not be spiraling down in this sin, Lord Jesus, but that we be lifted up in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask that you'd, you'd trigger that change in our mind, that change in our, our paradigm, Lord Jesus, so that we can begin to focus on you, Lord Jesus, and stop making excuses for our sins and stop making passive statements about how it'll be okay, but Lord, begin to rely on you and know, Lord Jesus, that you're going to take care of it. Lord Jesus, if there's things in my life that 